Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast, where we promised you an episode once Penn State figured things out with the defensive coordinator search. A solution arrived on Saturday in the form of Manny Diaz, former head coach, very recently of those Miami Hurricanes, uh, head coach there, uh, dating back to 2019, a 21-15 and record over a span of three seasons. Uh, he will replace Brent Pry as the defensive coordinator, as the linebackers coach, Anthony Poindexter, since we last spoke, uh, confirmed to be sticking around with Penn State out and about with Jamie Franklin as recently as Friday evening, recruiting on behalf of the Nittany Lions. So, Sean, things are beginning to come together. We had a roller coaster ride of a defensive coordinator search that spanned about an hour and a half or a week and a half, I should say. And fittingly, we got the answer on it as you were out walking the dogs on a Saturday morning. That's how it happened all last year with these transfer things. And actually, when uh, when Yursich got hired, I was definitely out on a dog walk. And because uh, I, I had prepped a story for Manny late in the week. And uh, it was it was just one of those things where I got time. It's supposed to be crappy out today in State College. So I got time to take dogs. And that, sure enough, uh, like clockwork, there we are. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's a big swing for Penn State. Uh, we've talked often about... Um, you know, Penn State, uh, you know, getting more of a commitment for facilities, coach, assistant coaches, things like that. I mean, I'm not sure what Manny Diaz uh, contract looks like, but I'm sure it's going to be decent, uh, decent size and, and comparable with some other um, defensive coordinator hires in this offseason. Um, it's certainly a splashy name. I mean, he's he's been a guy that's that's been around as a defensive coordinator for a long time. He's been Miami's head coach for the last three years. So there's name recognition. There's a there's the big splash aspect of it. Um, um, but yeah, it's it, it's a direction that Penn State decided to go. Um, you know, when five days ago he was just let go from Miami, so this is something that moved fairly quickly. We had talked throughout the the process and. Um, we, we, we updated stuff on our site on lines 24 seven, if you've been following along. Um, but Jim Knowles was a hot name early. Elijah Robinson was brought up uh, many just in the last couple of days. And, and I know that that situation at Miami was very murky in terms of bringing in Mario Cristobal before you got rid of Manny Diaz. But this is a guy that was going to be hot on the circuit. Clemson needs a defensive coordinator. Oklahoma needs a defensive coordinator. There's a very hot market for, for these guys that have play calling experience and Penn state got it done. I'm not quite sure how the Miami administration and Manny Diaz would have walked it back if Mario Cristobal didn't make the move from Oregon. But there was rumor that if Cristobal didn't leap at that opportunity, Manny Diaz was going to continue to be the head coach of the Hurricanes. And that was just, a, you know, less than a week ago. These were these reports were surfacing. And now here he is. And as you said, uh, James Franklin, getting a guy with a bunch of defensive coordinator experience uh, at that time in the SEC, Big 12 with with Mississippi State, uh, Texas Longhorns and um, we, uh, coach linebackers in, in the uh, ACC with NC State. So someone with a long history here. Um, James Franklin also said he wanted a head coach for his defense. You got a guy with head coaching experience and the play calling experience is there. We'll talk in a bit with Andrew Ivins, who does great work for 24-7 Sports down in Florida about the impact of this on the recruiting trail. He, Andrew also has a history of covering the Miami Hurricanes on that beat. So uh, a lot coming your way from Ivins in just a bit. But Sean, what's your initial reaction? And 
was this really a matter of an opportunity kind of being created that James Franklin didn't necessarily see coming because it, it felt like the moving parts and the, the domino effect from Eugene, Oregon down to Coral Gables reverberated up here in Happy Valley? I, I'm not sure. I, you know, so I, I listened to Le, uh, Dan Levitard basically every day. And this is one they've been talking about for a long, long time. Obviously they're based in Miami, very close to the program down there. And they've done a great job with that coaching search. Um, but it, it's one of those situations where you could see this one coming for a long time, even if it wasn't crystal ball, uh, Lane Kiffin's name was brought up down there. So I think the writing was on the wall that Manny was not going to come back. So when, when stuff st- starts to leak out like that, you know, people like James Franklin take note. And uh, I, as we said, I think Jim Knowles was, was one of the primary candidates uh, early on. He ended up at Ohio state making 1.9 million a year, which is just insane. Uh, good for him if he can get it, no doubt. But uh, um, but uh, I think this is a situation where you've got to have your head on a swivel and be prepared for things. Like I said, uh, other schools were talking to Diaz. Um, you know, I don't know when those conversations start. It's kind of like the transfer portal. Uh, you know, when you go in and you, you end up with a job five days later, there's probably been some groundwork laid right there. So I think from that standpoint, I think it's been something that you – you know, pose as a hypothetical in, in your own head back in November, whenever you hear that Brent Pry is talking with other schools, but it's, it's one of those situations where you've got to be prepared for and getting this done in a matter of days after he was let go of Miami tells me that they were prepared for this as, as a possible scenario. So Diaz comes to town, Sean, and, and internally the name that was being bounced around a lot if Penn State was looking inward was Anthony Poindexter. All of a sudden, Virginia's coach Bronco Mendenhall decides he needs to step away from that job with the Cavaliers in recent days. And Anthony Poindexter, last time we sat down to record, Sean, we pressed pause and I ended up recording an intro and an outro. And 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 by the end of that day, we knew Poindexter wasn't going to Virginia, but we sure thought it was heading in that direction. And that was complicating the process as well. Yeah, there's there. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it right right now. These two weeks between the end of the season and signing day are just insane, and they have been insane. You, you know, you Brent Pry leaves. You've got Poindexter, who uh, you know, obviously a lot of people in Virginia wanted him there. It just did not work out on the terms that that both sides wanted to get done. So I don't think that was a situation where he passed on the job or a situation where they they passed on him. It's just kind of a, did not work out, and that's kind of the way it works sometimes. Um, so he's coming back to to Penn State uh, and and going to be the defensive coordinator for the bowl game i would assume um that's going to be announced at some point but uh that's uh that's a big one um you you obviously want to keep him you've got guys you know you've got signing day on wednesday so you want to keep this staff together as long as you possibly can i'm, I'm still not convinced penn state's out of the wood with uh with coaching changes but that's just the nature of the beast in college football these days um you know you look at terry smith and his name's been brought up at the temple job as i said early last week don't be shocked if that happens um the temple job seems to be moving away from him and on to other people. So you've got that. John Scott Jr.'s got connections uh, at other spots. So I don't think it's completely settled, but you, you've got a couple of those pieces stabilized before signing day. I think that's a, a really big piece of that. And then you, you know, we haven't even talked about the offensive side of the job. There's been whispers, Jay Wan Sider, you know, might be elsewhere next year. So there's a lot going on. Um, you know, if you, if you follow college football, even, you know, casually, you know, there's a lot going on in the coaching carousel and I don't think it's going to be something that's settled um, until the new year, but uh, getting point extra back, going back to your original point, um, a big deal. I think he's done a phenomenal job with Penn state safeties. I think he's probably going to be in the mix. If any other D coordinator jobs come open or any other new hires come on board that, that somebody might want to bring him on as a, as a full-time coordinator. So I think there's uh, and that's, 
you know, a pretty good spot to be in. We talk all the time about this, this coaching movement. Um, and it's, it sucks to lose coaches. Yes. But if you're, if you're having coaches that are being promoted where you've got Brent Pry as a head coach, you've got Poindexter in the mix going from a safety coach to a head coach. And that that's a little bit different because he wouldn't have been a head coaching, uh, candidate anywhere but Virginia. That's how you have it. Terry Smith, a head coaching candidate. So you've got guys looking to move upward and that's just kind of the way it is. I mean, you're not having guys that will stay uh, with you for 20 years. If you're, if you're out of place for 20 years, which doesn't happen with head coaches anymore either. So um, I, I, it's a crazy carousel. Um, I, I think you're, you know, you're pretty well naive if if you're going to shut this down and say, okay, here's here's Penn State staff on what's today, December 11th. This is going to be the same staff that's going to be at spring practice. You, that's just not a guarantee in college football these days. No, we're recording here on December 11th. Penn State still has the game to play. A, a quick reminder that Tyler Bowen and Tim Banks were hired away <laughs> from the Nittany Lions staff last February. So long off season ahead, a lot to come. Um, and it's a good time to make sure you're following on lines247.com. We've got a signing day sale going on 50% off for new VIP subscribers. So a good time to do that. Um, one other note here on Manny Diaz, you're not going to see a tremendous overhaul of what the Nittany Lions want to do defensively. Um, you're looking at that aggressive 4-3 approach, Sean, a, a, a defensive coordinator and as a head coach at Miami, where one thing that his defenses could consistently hang their hat on was racking up tackles for losses. Um, and and so I think he comes to this program, got some work to do at linebacker. I'm really curious to see maybe how the transfer portal factors in as you try to shore up your linebacker depth and who's in, who's out of that room going into the offseason. But I think you've got a lot of young talent here. You've got guys who have played significant amount of football that are going to be around. Now, what does Manny Diaz do with you know a pretty wide reach? Uh, guy should have a, a lot of numbers to contact and maybe gets to work and, and bringing in some veteran pieces like they did last year defensively because Arnold Ebicati, Derek Tangelo, and even John Dixon played a ton of football for this for this program on defense. And you take any one of those guys away, specifically the two defensive linemen, let's be honest, that complexion changes uh, for the course of that unit in 2021. Yeah, and Manny Diaz has has had a lot of success at the portal. Miami's been one of those schools that was out in front of things uh, when you talk about recruiting the portal. So I think he'll have um, a beat on some more guys. You know, you've got contacts. All of a sudden, you're adding a guy that had head coaching and coordinator experience. Um, that means he's had contact with a lot of kids over those or a lot of prospects over those years um, that have turned into players and maybe can can hop in there. We talked to Ivan's a little bit later about potentially getting some guys from Miami to follow him. Not sure that that's a you know something to uh, to lean into or, or hang your hat on if you're a Penn State fan, but the, the possibility is certainly there, as always, with a coaching change. Um, with uh, from from a defensive standpoint, I do expect to see a lot of the same things that we saw um, with Brent Pry and before him with Bob Shoup, uh, four down attacking linebacking, or excuse me, four down attacking pass rush. Um, you know, kind of the same basic scenario or the same basic scheme um, that you're working with. And I think that's going to help a lot of people that have been there. You know, you're going to lose some key pieces after this year, Brisker and line, at linebacker, you're going to lose him and, and Ebikiti and Tangelo are of course going to be out. Um, so it, 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 there's a, there's a lot to be retooled in that defense. And if you don't, um, and if you keep some sort of continuity with the previous scheme, you'll be okay. So what you're looking for with a Manny Diaz defense, um, an aggressive pass rush, uh, turnovers have been a thing, the turnover chain. I don't think it's coming with him to happy Valley. Um, but, uh, you, you know, th there's going to be an emphasis on those things. He's always near the top in tackles for loss. So, um, aggressive style, um, I'd be interested to see what, what happens at linebacker, whether you, you know, continue the two in the box and one playing sandwiches, I think something that James Franklin wants to 
keep. Um, but, uh, you know, every defensive coordinator is going to bring in his little twist on some things. So we will see what happens um, with his with his style. But um, it's along the lines of what James Franklin said last week. He wanted to bring in somebody on a, on a similar plane to those guys before. And I think you'll probably see some adaptations of what he did at Miami added to what Brent Pry was doing uh, with Penn State's prior defense. That sounds pretty much how James Franklin drew, drew it up for us on a call last weekend when they got selected to the cotton, uh, Outback Bowl. I had a chance to catch up with with him on a media call, and that was kind of how he laid out his vision. Uh, not a wide-scale change, but a, a lot more of what they've been doing, but with someone else's fingerprints on it now. Um, we're going to get to Andrew Ivins in a moment, talk more about this. But, Sean, we are staying away from a lot of the football-related stuff, and we'll get to a bunch of that um, on the new episode in terms of personnel movement. But Sean Clifford's coming back, and we have to at least address that because on Friday he announced uh, sixth season going to happen. Um, more on Diaz in a second from Ivins, but your initial reaction on this, and I thought the timing was interesting. I, I felt like we may have to wait till we were down in Tampa after that matchup. Instead, you get your answer here pretty early on in December, so you can start playing accordingly. And the quarterback commits, Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, they come in and, and, and they sign on Wednesday knowing full well that Sean Clifford is back in town. Yeah, and I know there's been a lot of animosity toward Clifford, and I'm not obviously not haven't been his biggest uh, proponent uh, over the last couple of years. But I think having a stable guy in there, I think I think Penn State staff was was happy to get him back. I mean, to be honest with you, just from the unknown, you know, moving to the unknown at quarterback can be really productive, um, but it also can be a disaster. We saw that, of course, the Iowa game. Um, so getting him back, getting all of his experience back, and I would hope, you know if James Franklin is true to, to what he said before that you give the younger guys a shot to, to get a lot of reps, to get, uh, to get where they need to be. And from a standpoint of watching Drew Aller and Bo Perbula, um develop, I think having Sean Clifford around is a good thing. I mean, he's been around, he's, he's seen a lot of things. He's seen a lot of f- uh, coverages and defenses and things like that. So if they can soak that in, that'll be good. I- I'll be most interested to see how things look this spring. I mean, you've got a six year quarterback coming back, um, you know, does he need a ton of reps, especially when you've got Christian, excuse me, Christian Valu, Drew Aller, uh, Bo Prabula, potentially uh, Taquan Roberson as well? That's a lot of quarterbacks to to jam in there for for a, a finite number of reps. So I'll be interested to see how they handle it this spring. If he gets essentially the spring off, like a lot of veterans uh, do, he knows the offense, he knows Mike Yersich, so not really the most important spring for him. Um, you could probably say that about the bowl practice as well with Christian Valu. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. So I don't think, you know, I know, I know a lot of people are upset about it. I think it can be a very good thing for these young quarterbacks to have him around. Um, and it gives you one more level of uh, of a buffer against seeing what we saw against Iowa this year. You got Clifford in there. You've got a little bit more talent behind him and a little bit more experience behind him now. Um so I like where the quarterback room is moving forward. I don't think it's an abject disaster that he's coming back and um, a lot of experience at the position while it's, you know, been certainly been up and down with Sean Clifford is, is a valuable thing. You're looking at a scenario where you have a 20 going on 24 year old quarterback in this room next semester. And half of the quarterback room is comprised of guys who should really be getting ready for senior prom and finishing out high school. A huge, huge spectrum has been created from some of this eligibility stuff. And by the way, I don't know if you're trolling me, but you've come up with a third pronunciation of Christian's last name. Uh, oh, absolutely. I'm, absolutely. I'm trolling you. Uh, uh, trolling you. <laughs> um, I, but I think, I think your point is an important one because if, if there's not that gulf between um, sixth year senior and essentially redshirt freshman in, in, in Christian. Uh, now you got me inside my own head with that one. Um, then, 
I don't know that this is as um, urgent as a matter of, of it is. You know, if, if you've got a Will Levis behind him or something like that, where you've got a guy that you can count on or think that you can turn into a starter as a junior, as a as a redshirt sophomore or something like that, then I think that that might change some things. But that's a, that's a lot of experience. And coaches, you know, especially offensive coaches, they value experience at that position more than a lot of things. So, um, and I think he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder. You know, I, I, I think he played well in the first half of the season, um, you know, to obviously getting hurt changed everything, not only for him, but for Penn state. But, uh, you know, I think he's probably trying to show that, you know, he can be that guy against Auburn other than, you know, and, and not be that guy, um, against Illinois or against any of those teams late in the season. So I think he's got a chip on his shoulder and I think he'll, um, you know, pr- trying to embrace the, op- the opportunity. I'm very curious what he's, what he looks like throwing side by side with, with Drew Aller, um, you know, w- when they get to the spring, because as we've said multiple times, even though, you know, the criticism is there of Sean Clifford and his physical tools, he still looked like the, he still looked like the, the best guy throwing the ball when we saw him at practice every week. This quarterback room looks a lot different when you project what it's going to be in the spring. And, and yeah, I think side by side, it's going to be interesting. Can, and had his loyalty play a role in, in everything you decide? And certainly, though, Sean Clifford, a major jump here with offensive coordinator Mike Yurcich. Sean, first time since 2018-19, he'll have the same OC and back-to-back years. And, of course, back then with Ricky Ronnie, he was taking a lot of those reps on the practice field behind Trace McSorley, behind Tommy Stevens. We'll see how it plays out. We have our answer there. Let the storylines emerge as they may. We, we caught up with Drew Aller on the Monday edition of our podcast this past week. Hopefully you heard that, but we asked him point blank directly, if Sean's coming back, what's your mindset? He said all the right things, as you'd expect. So did Bro Perbula when I contacted him on Friday afternoon when this news surfaced. They both say that they want to come in. They want to soak up information. They have a lot of respect for the volume of football that Sean Clifford has played and the leadership he has displayed for the program. But make no doubt about it. They want to come in and they want to they want to handle the reps that he will be getting early and often. So, hey, game on. And, and I can't wait to see what it looks like in Beaver Stadium because a lot of this will be happening behind the scenes. But one of these young guys goes out, whether it's Christian, Bo, or Drew, and lights it up in Beaver Stadium in front of a crowd. It's going to be a lot, to ch- lot of chatter brewing. And I can't wait for nine months of Kenny Pickett comparisons, too. So that'll, that'll be something to look forward to. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough on the Clifford situation for now. We're going to be back with, with another slate of episodes this upcoming week because we do have signing day coming up. But, of course, the transfer portal is looming. There's opt-outs. We saw a huge one with Traylon Burke uh, at Burks out of uh, Arkansas, who was the main topic of discussion when we looked at the Razorbacks. But without further ado, Andrew Ivins, who covers the Florida scene, has spent a lot of times covering these Miami Hurricanes, uh, going to break down the Manny Diaz hire for these Nittany Lions. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Time to get a better look at this new Penn State defensive coordinator. Big hire, and uh, we get some insight now from Andrew Ivins down there in beautiful South Florida. Um, Andrew, I don't know where you are this weekend, but I know it's somewhere that is much warmer um, and sunnier, I would imagine, than where we are here in Happy Valley. Thanks for taking some time to hop on with us here. Oh, not a problem, man. Glad I could join. It is sunny outside, so I hate to break that to you. Record highs in terms of temperature in South Florida right now. That's we'll be there, true. man. Outback Bowl. Hey, we're, we're going to cover the Outback Bowl. We, we, can, we can make it there. And and the big question here, along with will there be opt-outs before the Outback Bowl, has been who will be the new defensive coordinator for Penn State going into 2022? Manny Diaz, of course, being announced as that selection Saturday morning. And one that we have been tracking here for a solid week and a half going on two weeks. It was a long span. A lot of names popped up. In your opinion, uh, what kind of a landing spot is this from Diaz's point of view after what happened down in Coral Gables? I mean, I'm I'm surprised. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's a market right now at every level of football for good defensive coordinators. So uh, the fact that he got picked up so fast, like it, it just doesn't it's not shocking to me. Um, you know, some people said, hey, it, you know, he should probably do TV, but just talking to people close to him and inside his camp, I kept hearing that he wants to kind of write his name or he has that competitive itch. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super surprised. I mean, Big Ten, uh, you know, yeah, I, I didn't see this. I would have never guessed it, but it, it makes a ton of sense um, if you know Diaz and you know his his circle and what he's about. How do you separate uh, Diaz from what he did as a head coach? Obviously, a lot of Miami fans not too pleased with with how that one turned out, and then it kind of turned on its head in the last couple of weeks with, with Cristobal. Um, but how do how do you separate him as a head coach from a defensive coordinator? And and I guess what was the what was the buzz on him as a defensive coordinator as he got the job as a head coach? Because you know that that new head coach smell wears off pretty quickly. Um, what what was the buzz down at Miami when when they hired him? And and how do you how have you seen that come to play? Well, you know, when they hired him, he was the hot name uh, in terms of defensive coordinators. Uh, that, that was after the, the big season when Miami went 10-3. and three. Uh, The defense was playing awesome. The defense had played awesome the year before. Uh, they had the turnover chain, which was Diaz's idea. Um, so I think it made sense. The only issue is I don't think Miami's administration really thought everything through. Manny Diaz had no head coaching experience. Um, he had worked at different places, Mississippi State, Texas, but I don't know how many um, coaches in the industry were familiar with him and, and were willing to work with him. And I think anytime there's a, a, a new coach takes over or uh, a coaching change, I always circle back to that staff. Like if you want to be good, you're just as good as your staff. And I think, you know, Diaz, the first year on the job, he made some mistakes. Um, but I will say having – covered Manny for a little bit before I changed roles and everything like that. And just being familiar with his tenure, you know, every year he made changes because he wanted to get better. Um, and I think, you know, he's not the most stubborn guy. Like he, he, he embraced the transfer portal well before other people did. Um, he made a bad offensive coordinator hire in Dan Enos and he went out and got Rhett Lashley. Um, so he adapts to change and 
I think initially he wanted to be a CEO, um, uh, take a CEO type role, kind of like Dabo Sweeney does at Clemson. Um, then the defense went south, and then he he took over defensive play calling this year. Um, so he was kind of learning on the job, and I don't know if administration gave him the, the, the everything he needed. Uh, but as a defensive coordinator, I think he's he's pretty good, man. He uh, he likes to to get after the quarterback and and, and produce turnovers. So I'm interested to see what uh, Penn State's defense looks like in, in 2022. Yeah, Andrew, just so our, our audience knows well, can you just uh, really quickly give your background covering this program, covering the region, and, and covering more recently Manny Diaz? Yeah, so I started at 24-7 Sports, uh, Mark Rick's first year, and Manny Diaz was the defensive coordinator. Um, and then I, I covered the team until, I guess, last year or the year before that. I was kind of the Penn – or not Penn State, excuse me, the, the Miami insider. And now – I've transitioned over into a, a regional analyst role, but I'm still down here in South Florida, uh, familiar with the program. You know, I've ran into Manny Diaz many times on on the recruiting trail um, at Miami, uh, out out on the town, actually. So I'm pretty familiar with him, um, you know, and, and just kind of what he has done while he has been in Coral Gables, or I should say, while he was in Coral Gables. You uh, specialty. You specialize in recruiting for twenty four seven sports. What's he going to bring to the table as a recruiter? Obviously, as a head coach and defensive coordinator, the expectations and the roles are different. Um, but what does he bring to the table as an appealing uh, guy, as a closer, as a guy that can you know get, get, recruit his position, which is he's a linebacker focus. I mean, what does he bring to the table as a recruiter? Well, I don't want to scare Penn State fans and, and be like he's not the greatest of recruiters because I, I think he is. At times, he's a good recruiter. He just takes a different approach. And I said this on the Miami podcast when he was dismissed. And I, I, a lot of Miami fans were like, whoa, what do you mean? Uh, and this was just talking about some of the kids in the transfer portal he had went after last year and the year before. Quincy Roche was a kid from from uh, Temple. Temple yeah. yeah, that was on the market. And I, I talked to Roche right before the NFL draft. And we we're just I, I asked him, I'm like, how did you end up at Miami? And he's like, honestly, man... I, Diaz called me and he said, if, if I don't get you, I'm going to get fired. I need you. And, and he said that kind of like hit home with him. And I know that's a, a, a some people are like, that's a ridiculous pitch, but it works. So I think he's, he's very business-like in terms of how he goes after kids. I think that resonates with uh, more veterans, guys in the portal. Maybe that's why he attacked the portal. Uh, but at the same time, he's made some good evaluations over the years. One guy, you know, he pushed for um, – at Miami was Greg Russo, who was selected in the, in the first round of the most recent NFL draft now with the Buffalo Bills playing. Uh, Manny was kind of the guy. And I remember at the time Craig Koligowski was the defensive line coach. He did not want Greg Russo. And Manny, the defensive coordinator, did. Greg was like a 6'6 beanpole at 200 pounds and playing safety. And I, I, from my understanding, Manny went into that staff meeting and said, hey, when we were at NC State, and he was talking about when NC State had that that trio of pass rushers, we just took big guys that were long and then figured it out. So they took Greg Russo, um, developed him, first-round draft picked. So he gets it. I think there's some good evaluations, uh, but it's just a different type of approach when it comes to recruiting that I think some of these guys who are, um, you know, not sucker up to the, the young kids, but that's, that's not really his style. You had a uh, 36-game sample size watching Manny Diaz as the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. I don't know if you caught every Hurricanes game along the way, but I know you saw your fair share. What were some of the hallmarks defensively for the Canes, the good, the bad, the ugly? 
<laughs> well, Miami fans will bring up uh, multiple fourth and longs where the other team converted. Uh, you go back to that North Carolina game where they gave up a school record like 670 yards last season. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is Miami was dealing with some massive COVID issues that year. That was the COVID 2020 season. A lot of coaches weren't at practice, players were out. So I'm not saying that's an excuse, but uh, numerous people inside that building have told me everyone was just kind of exhausted. And I think it all kind of uh, came surfaced at the same time. It was a perfect storm. Uh, the good, like I said, he plays an aggressive defense. It's a, it's a four man front. Um, he wants to attack the quarterback, wreck havoc. You know, when Miami was was ch- was was humming along that defense with with the turnover chain, he uh, I I, I should some sports analytics would always look it up, and, and they had the number one havoc rate or, or something very close to it. So a lot of tackles for loss. Um, and try to bait guys into turnovers. I love what he does on third downs. He gets real creative with his packages. And I know everyone does this these days, but he'll kind of move his guys around. You know, Greg Russo, just circling back on him. Russo would would rush as a, a, as a three or a five technique in the middle. Uh, and he kind of had an eight from that spot on third and long. So he does that. Um, linebacker recruiting, you know, he, he's had some misses there. Uh, in, in terms of just his evaluations, but you know, th- this is a unit that w- when it's on, it's producing turnovers, and it, it, it's kind of I don't want to say a bend or a break, um, but they're gonna they're gonna give some give some plays up. They're gonna let you, they want you to beat you on that outside, uh, but it's an aggressive defense, and, and, and tackling at one time was a strength for Miami. Um, you know, there was some last season, this season, some of those issues surfaced, but he likes to get after the quarterback. Which position groups benefit the most from Manny Diaz? I think the defensive line for sure. Um, you know, he's that's that's kind of been his bread and butter. I mentioned Russo. I mentioned Roche. Uh, the the 2018 group. You had Joe Jackson, Jonathan Garvin. Those are all NFL guys. Um, so I, I I think for his system to click, he needs a, a, a twitched up edge rusher. Like I said, that's going to come screaming around that corner. Uh, and, and, and make things go, um, and just having covered recruiting and know what Penn State ha- has been after, like that—that's perfect. I also say Zane Durant, who is currently committed and will sign with Penn State. You know, Manny wanted him at Miami, and I think that's because he's—he's he's a, a a little undersized inside guy, but he he can go and 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 put, get some push on on passing down. So I think that's a perfect fit for him. I, I would say the defensive line, even though he's a linebackers coach, it just seems like. That system, what he wants to do, um, is all about the edge play. I was wondering how long it would take until Zane Durant came up. Uh, <laughs> this, this is a guy that you've been stumping for for a long time, um, and he's he's set to sign with Penn State next week. And while we've got you, what do you like about Zane Durant? Because I know you've been one that's been on him just since the start, really. Yeah, I mean he's he's a guy I saw playing tight end on the seven on seven circuit. You know he is. He's undersized. He's he's six six one and and some change, maybe six two, two hundred fifty pounds. I just I like the profile. Um, you know, can power clean three fifteen. Does track and field shot put really good testing numbers this time last year at, at one of those camps. And then I was watching his senior tape, and then on this one play, he's in like punt coverage and he outruns all these skill players. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of that's kind of freaky. So I, I've been a fan of him. You know, I think. What a lot of schools do is they'll, is they'll come along and they'll see a defensive lineman in May or June, 
and they'll go, you know what? Uh, he's not big enough or it's this or that. And then this time we get into December or, or late November, all of a sudden that guy's good enough. Like you cannot, you, you can't have enough good defensive linemen that can get after the quarterback. And I, you know, I'm not pounding the table and saying Zane's going to be able to play 60 plus snaps. But to me, I think as a rotational guy that can play 30 snaps, He's the perfect fit, and it'll probably take a year or two, but get him in a strength program. I think he's going to be a guy. And, you know, he has the profile to eventually play on Sundays just because of what I said. I mean, a situational rusher, uh, yes, sir, no, sir. He could have left where he was at Lake Nona. I spent some time at that school a couple months ago just talking with the coaches. He's the most recruited kid to ever come out of there and, you know, has always been there since he was a freshman. And in an arrow, not only with the transfer portal, but we've been seeing this on the high school scene for so long. He stayed true to his school, which really wasn't that good. And I think that says a lot. Andrew, one more for you from me, because James Franklin laid out a few things he was looking for. Um, He didn't really say that the play calling was a must have for his next defensive coordinator, but it was going to be a plus and certainly a priority among candidates. But he also said he was looking for a head coach on defense, and that's a mantle that Brent Pry held up pretty well in recent years. Obviously, you're getting a head coach of an entire football program coming in as your defensive coordinator. But what does that leadership look like from the, as you think, even if it's just for you know that portion of the roster? Well, I, I, like I said, I think he has grown as a head coach um, significantly over the past three years. He has learned from his mistakes. He has made like, staff changes, uh, how they warm up change, everything. Um, you know, he he has gotten better in that regard and. This past season, he was really kind of just the head coach of the defense. Rhett Lashley, Miami's offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach at SMU, he kind of ran the offense. So I think he's going to fit in perfectly um, to what James was looking for. Uh, the one other thing I want to say, because I was thinking about this, and I'm, I think I hopped on your guys' podcast after Taylor Stubblefield was, was announced, and I don't know if I gave him the most glowing review as a recruiter, and he has kind of prove me wrong, or at least I see his name and all this uh, tied to all these kids these days. So I'm interested to see if James Franklin lights like a fire into Manny or how, how Manny fares as a recruiter. Um, because I, 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 you know, I, when Stubbs was at Miami, you know, he, he did some things that kind of, I was scratching my head, um, and look at him now. So I want to see what happens with, with Manny, um, there are people that like my like like Miami or excuse me like Manny in Miami around Miami. So I think he will recruit Florida's Treasure Coast very well, which is an under recruited area, um, and we'll see. Yeah, that, that that's a question in, in terms of South Florida. Obviously, Jaywan Sider's on the staff here now, but uh, you know what kind of impact does Manny have with the kids down there? I, it's it's different being a position coach and a coordinator and and a head coach. But is this is this one that Penn State can lean on, or is this probably not going to you know upset things too much down there, especially with Mario coming in? Well, I mean, I, don't, I think there's a lot of people in the inner city that didn't want their kids playing for Manny Diaz at Miami. Why? I, I don't know. It just seems like the more I've talked with coaches since Mario has come on board, that's more the message I received. Oh, we love Mario. We didn't like Manny. So I don't think that they're going to drop him in uh, Miami-Dade or Broward. That would probably be a mistake. But like I said, in Palm Beach, getting up in Broward, up that Treasure Coast all the way to the Cocoa, which there are guys I think that would be his his spot. That's what I would do with him. Um, and I, like I said, he has gotten guys before. It's not like he can't recruit or anything like that. Um, there was just times I thought 
like for example, for me, they they had Greg Russo just drafted in the first round. They had Jalen Phillips just drafted in the first round, and Miami wasn't going to get any of these elite blue chip pass rushers from Miami Dade um, this cycle. I mean, there's about four of them between Miami and Broward County, and I was like, come on, guys, you 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 know, it's like I I just want to shake Manny and be like, you should be using the fact that you put these guys in the league to your advantage, and and maybe he was just overwhelmed with the responsibilities of of being a head coach and, and all that. But that was a little disappointing for me, the, the, the fact that Miami in their 2022 class had, was come up a little short on the defensive line. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, Penn State's not getting those kids anyway. I mean, even with Jay Sider down there, the, the inner city Miami kids you know, might visit or something like that, but they're really not uh, leaning on those kids for sure. Um, I, I think I think it's interesting. You've got a situation where you've got Sider and you've, you've got Manny, but, you know, recruiting the burbs is, is probably more advantageous yeah. for Penn state anyway. So um, kind of forgot where I was going with my, my follow-up question. Um, but uh, it is the portal. You mentioned it before. Is, is that a situation that you're going to see at Miami? Because obviously with a coaching change, people leave. Um, is that something that you can look to as a Penn state fan and, and look and say, potentially maybe he's got a follower or two that, that will hop on a plane and head up North with him. I think that's definitely something you always think about. Um, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Hey, James Williams or Leonard Taylor are going to leave the uh, Miami and enter the portal." Those are their two five star freshmen that played. Uh, I don't know. Um, Ephraim Banda, who was Manny's co defensive coordinator the previous season, he left to Utah State. I think one or two kids followed him out there. Um, no one jumps out immediately to me. Uh, I don't think anyone that's that's committed to Miami is really tied to Manny. So we'll see. But I, I think um, maybe a few months from now we get through spring practices. If there is a defender out there who decides to leave, uh, Miami might make sense for him. And, and most of the guys that are in the portal right now, like a Gervin Hall, so he was a safety. I don't know if you guys remember him from a few cycles ago, top two, four, seven kid. There was like a falling out between him and the coaching staff in terms of my understanding. He was he was upset that the, the freshmen were playing ahead of him, so he went in the portals. Like I, I can't see Manny now getting to Penn State and be like, hey, I'll take you. But maybe there's a guy, just no one really jumping out to me right right, right, right this moment. So you're saying he's not a package deal with Jared Harrison Hunt is what's uh, what's going on. Dude, I'm a, I'm a huge Jared Harrison Hunt fan. Like, I yeah. want that guy to hit. He was a uh, silent commit to Penn State for a long, long time, and then they they flipped that one on its head. Miami ended up with him, and I think he's had a really productive uh, time so far. Um, going back to recruiting real quick, Wesley Basanth, um this is just a just a guy that you kind of cross streams with at Penn State. Uh, you know, they they've been after him, but it seems like you know you told me last week it was either going to be Miami or Florida State. He closed on him before he got fired. What's the story? Just so, just so our listeners are aware, what's the story with with the connection there with Manny Diaz and and what you know? I don't think Penn State would be in the mix for him a couple of days for, from signing day. But what was the story with Wesley Besant? Uh, it's a good. It's it's actually a good story because uh, back in 2019, one of the biggest games in South Florida is Miami Central versus Miami Northwestern, and both those schools have turned out a ton of guys that are in the NFL now. I don't need to list them off. And there's bottom line, there's talent every year. And Manny, first year on first year on the job, I think it was the Hurricanes bye week. He was on the sidelines at Traz Powell Stadium that night. Me and him are probably the only people uh I, I you know Manny's not white, but we were we were some of the only people uh, of of that skin tone there. And we watched the game. I, I was kind of talking with him a, a little bit here and there. 
And I never forget, he, he turns over to me, he said, that linebacker right there, I think it was Wesley was wearing 17 or something like that. He said, that's the best player on the field. Like that is the guy. And then Miami ended up offering, I think the, the next day or the day after. Um, and then, so that was kind of Manny's big guy. That was the guy he wanted, uh, the guy he targeted. I can't remember a recruit visiting as much as Wesley. Obviously, COVID played a big factor in that with the 15-month dead period. But he was always around the program. Um, Manny really wanted him. I think one staffer told me like, that's Manny's baby. He's got to get him. And there's go back to the summer months. He takes those visits. He gets out to Penn state. Um, then he goes to Florida state at Florida state. He's doing a photo shoot. Someone at Florida state talks him into throwing up the U upside down. I thought, I thought Miami was like not going to recruit him anymore. And then the next day he showed up to Miami for their elite camp called paradise camp. Um, and this went back and forth, twists and turns. And then as we really got in this 11th hour, it became clear it was going to be Florida State or Miami. Um, and let me tell you, down here, all of the rumors about uh, Manny and, and Miami parting ways or Miami going to fire Manny and Mario's on the way, like that was even exemplified here. Like that's times 100 down here. So he knew, and I would always talk to Wesley. I'm like, hey – what are you going to do? He's like, I'm just going to pick a school for the school. And, and Florida State really, really wanted him. And then the day before Manny Diaz is, is let go, he picks Miami over FSU on CBS Sports HQ. And I don't know how much Manny played in it. I think some of the staffers at Miami had a, had a big, big hand, hand in everything. But uh, I, I was told the pitch they used was, I, I, if you go to Florida State, you're going to be thinking about it every day wake up every day thinking what happens if I went to Miami and somehow that worked. And I, I do expect Wesley to, to, to sign with Miami. He's, he's there on an official visit this weekend. But it, I said at the time, biggest recruiting win of the Manny Diaz era comes out at an ironic time because it was like 12 hours before he was dismissed. And I think by then our, our coaching search thread had already reached like a million <laughs> views. That, that's tough to into the search party word. Things changed fast. And now Manny Diaz heading up the Happy Valley. Andrew Ivins, if you couldn't tell, does a fantastic job covering all things Florida recruiting, um, helping us get the lowdown a bit here on the last Hurricanes leader. Andrew, enjoy that uh, warm weather. We're heading down your way in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, so share some with us pretty soon. I know if you guys bring cold weather for Under Armour week, I'm going to be so pissed. So I own like one sweatshirt, so I'm not, I'm not trying to wear that five days in a row. <laughs> Feeling, feel for you, man. Feel for you. I really do. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. All right. Take care. Uh, great stuff from Andrew. Thanks for his time. A bunch of insight there to carry forward as we gather information on this new look Penn State defensive staff. As we talked about earlier in the podcast, not so new look. Anthony Poindexter is still on board. Sean, we got a lot to bring this listening audience uh, on our next episode. We're going to call it an episode for now, but transfer portal, signing day week, some more guests that are going to hop on. We got to get back to work, man. Yeah, I, there's been so much going on, even if it's just uh, uh, I, I just my phone is just ridiculous right now. I, I, I hate it um, now. <laughs> it's a bad time of year for it. But yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming up for you. Signing day, of course, next week. We'll be back with you on video on YouTube. Sorry about this. Lance had some other um, uh, re responsibilities he had to take care of today. So we're just coming to you through the airwaves. But really good stuff from Andrew. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to uh, to covering this next phase of, of, of Penn State, uh, the Penn State defensive era.
And I'm on my way across town now. I'm supposed to have some availability with Sean Clifford coming up. Hopefully that happens. And we have a story for you on Saturday, a little bit more about his decision and what lies ahead from him in 2022. That, all the transfer portal latest, whatever happens with, with the coaching staff moving forward, it's all found on lines247.com. Thanks to all of our audience out there. Thanks to everybody who participated in that wild message board, one that will not be forgotten soon on the site. For Sean, thanks again to Andrew. I'm Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.